On today's Question of Faith, if Roe versus Wade is reversed, what happens next in the Diocese of Cleveland? This is Question of Faith. I am Mike Hayes, the Director of Young Adult Ministry here in the Diocese of Cleveland. And I'm Father Damian Ferentz, Vicar for Evangelization. And I am Mary Von Karlowitz, the Director for the Office for Human Life hey, in the Mary. Diocese of Cleveland. Yeah, hey Mary, yeah, how are you? Great to have you, Mary. Awesome. Thanks, awesome to be here. Thanks for asking. I wish all our listeners could <laughs> see your bright outfit. <laughs> Mary is wearing bright pink today, which goes great with her blonde hair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you could hear the joy in her voice, but if you could see it, it's radiant. Absolutely. So Something a- about the sunny day and bringing spring on. It's time. It's awesome. It's true. And so we've waited a long time for something like Roe versus Wade to be reversed. And it looks like that's about to happen. And so uh, we thought we would talk about, you know, well, what happens next? You know, if, if when Roe versus Wade is reversed, which sounds like it's going to happen, um, the law then reverts to the states. And so each individual state then makes the ruling about what happens with abortion in their state. And so here in Ohio, it would become illegal to have an abortion. And so that means we have to highlight what we're already doing. Correct. And we should say that this is speculation at this point because it's only because of a leak from the Supreme Court that we think Roe v. Wade will be overturned. So none of this is certain yet. None of it's in stone. So this is speculation. But... um, I think it's good speculation, and it's a conversation worth having. And that's why we brought Mary Von Karlowitz in. Thanks, and it's really good to be here. You're right, it sounds like speculation, but not necessarily so. Roe v. Wade, after almost 50 years, is going to probably be overturned in part or in whole and returned back to the states. Like you said, Mike, the state of Ohio has something called a heartbeat ban or a trigger bill, so it will make almost every abortion illegal. Mm, okay. So, what? By the way, what happened when we first heard the news? What was all of our reactions? You know, <laughs> let me let me start. I thought I was getting punked, and the only reason I'm saying that I find it hard to believe was because I was like, "We've waited so long for this, mm-hmm. and it's finally here." And I'm like, "Okay." I'm really hoping this is true. This is not somebody like putting a leak out there just trying to throw us all off the track. Yeah, when I heard, well, first of all, I should say, when they were doing the oral arguments, it sounded to me like they had enough votes to overturn Roe v. Wade. And um, I've been going to that right to life march with my youth groups and with the seminary for a while. So this is something we've been marching for. So maybe the the turn the, the, the meaning of the march will change. But I my first reaction was who the heck leaked this? How did it get leaked? Like the Supreme Court is a steel vault. So how and why did someone leak it? That was my first reaction. And gosh, was it a surprise because one of the last vestiges, I think, in our country was the Supreme Court and its hallowed halls. Regardless of how it got leaked, it did. Was it intentional? Was it not? We don't know. We don't know yet. And that's the one thing I know that our diocese has held back a little, refrained a little, uh, probably much to the dismay of some people when they were seeking a response from the diocese because, and same for the USCCB, we're not sure yet. We don't want to, it is speculation. We don't want to say one way or the other, but we do want everyone to know that regardless of the end result, which ought to come at the end of June, beginning of July, the final decision, we have been, we always were prepared, and we just want to share with you the ways that, believe it or not, we've been walking with with women, and not just women, men, grandmas, parents in need for an awfully long time. 
Yeah, so tell us a little bit about some of the resources that, we, that we've had here all along here in the diocese. Gosh, all along we've had some incredible resources. The problem is, is that this becomes an opportunity for us to reach out to reteach and oftentimes to change the minds and change the culture through conversations, providing practical support for pregnancy, for parenting. Obviously, this happens at an unexpected time in most people's lives. Most people view it either as a crisis or just something that they weren't expecting or planning. And in that moment in time, you don't know what to do. We here in the Diocese of Cleveland have had resources for people, but you know what? We need to get them out so people are aware of them. When I say resources, I'm talking about help right from the very first time that you either have an ultrasound or find out that you may be pregnant, especially with your, if your parents are journeying with you, if you have a boyfriend, a husband, other family members, it's for everyone. But not only that, we are determined, convinced, want to make certain that you know that we're going to walk with you through your pregnancy, after your pregnancy, and my gosh, talk about child care, talk about getting your children into school, health care for you, helping you find a job if you don't have one. We really mean it, and we've got the resources to do it. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think that's what the biggest fear is for most people, right, is that there won't be enough resources for me. Yeah, Mary, you and I both talked about this the other day. I, I was saying that my, my friend runs a uh, – my friend's a theology teacher at a high school, and she did like a little straw poll when she was teaching about pro-life with, with – uh, and it's an all-girls school also. And so she said, okay, so how many people in this room are pro-choice? Almost all the hands in the room went up. And she was like – Ugh. <laughs> like we're starting here, and she said, "Okay." She said, "Why? You know, why are you pro-choice?" And I said, "Well, I don't, I don't think there are enough resources for pregnant teenagers out there." Hmm. And she said, "Okay, so here's the assignment." And she said, "I want everybody to go out and resource, you know, look at, look for resources for pregnant women." When they came back, they were all astounded. They're all like, wait a minute, there's actually a whole bunch of stuff that's going on here. She was like, I, you know, a couple of them said that they thought they would get kicked out of school, so she made them go and, and interview three different administrators separately hmm. so that they couldn't, the administrators couldn't talk to each other. Right. And they all said, no, you wouldn't get kicked out of school. What are you talking about? <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so they, they, it kind of calmed the waters a little bit for them. And they were like, okay, wait a minute. You know, okay. But you know, that's a myth that's been going on for so long. It probably was an antiquated way of looking at things. People did view the world differently back then. Yeah, true. We're in a different time and place right now. We do know people that have graduated, not only from high school, from college, uh, can go on and become doctors. There's actually a woman right now who's first first child was was conceived while she was actually a teenager in high school. A second one um, in college, she married her husband, who is a doctor, and she ended up finishing med school just recently. Wow. She's got four children now. Anything is possible. The key is access to all of this information and the resources. That's excellent. So, Mary, if someone like today is would be listening to this and, and just discovered that she's pregnant and said, I need, I need a resource right now. Like what, what can the Catholic church do? Because the myth or the, the narrative against the Catholic church and against uh, pro-life movement is that we only care about life in the womb. And as soon as that baby's born, no one cares about it. So is that true? And if it's not true, tell us what is. Oh my gosh. Honestly, that's one of those myths long in the making. Absolutely not true. 
the problem is they don't know where to get the resources. I know that our Diocese of Cleveland website is going to be up and running. It already is, but have all the information. It'll be actually a tab on the front page of the diocese. The Office for Human Life has all sorts of information listed, resources. There's going to be live people. And that's what, you know, we need to make certain that each of these people in these situations, and sometimes it is the gentleman that walks with his girlfriend, his wife, whomever. Um, if you contact your local parish, reach out to someone, they will have resources too if you don't feel comfortable calling the diocese. Try Googling. Try um, looking through the website. But honestly, the best thing to do is reach within your own community. There's some incredible pregnancy centers in every single county in our diocese, all eight of them. Try your own parish first. There's somebody there that will direct you at least or walk with you through your entire pregnancy. Cool. So I'm holding in my hand right now a pamphlet that you gave me earlier today called Help is Available. Within here, immediate assistance, local pregnancy centers, counseling, financial assistance, housing, adoption and counseling, um, post-abortion care and abusive relationship, human trafficking. So where is this going to be on our website or is part of Absolutely. it there now? It's all there now. The information is on our website. We're going to try to make this as available and accessible as possible. The deal is, don't worry if you think you're going to get kicked out of your home or your parents aren't going to be happy with you. First of all, housing is available. There's some wonderful housing. Zelly's home actually will let you stay right through with your newborn baby. There's actually some children that are there right now. Some women have two or three children. There's many housing situations like this. Or somebody will help work with you, walk with you, help you find housing. If it's an extra car you need, a car seat you need. If you need bedding, if you need child care so you can go to appointments, there really is. Don't ever make an emergent decision based on something that actually can be walked through. Actually, the best advice is to take a deep breath. Yeah. St. Ignatius of Loyola tells us that, right? Don't make decisions in desolation. Amen. Right? Amen. You know, we, we sit back and we say, okay, we're, we're in desolation, so we don't make a decision. We, we, we kind of keep things the way they are right now and then start to gather information, right? We start to gather information about what can be done. And it sounds like you have, you've got all of them here. You know, the, the other thing, too, I think, is that we, you know, we, we in the church who are supporting people – you know, we have to figure out how we can do that better, you know. So, like, you know, we, we have to shift our mindset in some ways. You know, we need to be pro-family in these instances. Mike, so uh, true about that. You know what? It's a time, actually, believe it or not, when we really have an opportunity to reflect, to look back, um, to say, you know what? This is my call as a Catholic, a baptized Catholic, to say, what can I do? The judgment needs to melt away. You know what? These people end up finding out that most of the time the judgment does melt away and it isn't there. If we can learn to walk together for the people in the community, they want to help people. They want the opportunities to walk with people in an emergent situation. It becomes a time where we can actually all work together. We need to change perceptions of people in our diocese, in the world as a whole, um, to see the beauty, the truth, and the goodness of our church's teachings. No kidding, it comes down to the bottom line is what would Jesus do? And if we could be the face of Christ for all people, I think we'd be a lot better off. Yeah. 
I mean, we talk about women all the time with this issue, but what, what about men? You know, what, what are we saying to men? You know, it might be a good idea for us to start to encourage men to say, hey, you know, maybe you want to stick around. You know, maybe you might not want to abandon these women and put extra burdens on them. You know, we almost, you know, I, I talk about that all the time, but I'm wondering, you know, how often the average person in the pew might talk about this. Mike, wow. It's so funny you should mention that. Um, actually, I have eight sons of my own. So, <laughs> so you know something about the boys. I can actually say, yes. Um, part of how I raise them is to know that, that they, number one, don't live in a vacuum. And number two, uh, that they are to travel. Four of them are actually married already. And, and that they are part of a community, part of whomever they're with, they're equal partners in this. We have to another opportunity to reteach, to re-educate, walk with their partners. Nothing happens in a bubble. But you know what? They need support too. So we have to make certain that there's support for men available, and indeed there is. Again, there there's basic tips that I would say apply for both, for men, for women. Again, the take the deep breath, that not to make decisions based um, on how you're feeling at the moment. Gentlemen, I encourage you, honestly, to support whomever your partner is. Honestly, she's just as scared as you. And even though you might say, oh my gosh, my life plans are completely thwarted, ruined, and I'm never going to be that movie star, the rock star, the doctor that I wanted to be. Not true. So many ways we can prove that wrong. But the bottom line is the two of you need to seek help and counseling together. She needs your support more than ever now. And even though you want to say, oh, it's her body, she's a woman, whatever the altruism is at the time, don't. It's both of you together. Honestly, years from now, if you aren't walking with her in this decision, you are going to face just some, some consequences later on. You know what? Do this together. Stop, think, pray about it. Ask her how she's feeling. Understand what you're feeling. And honestly, counseling is available for unplanned pregnancy for both people. It's interesting. We're in the month of May here. It's uh, where we celebrate Mother's Day and we celebrate uh, our mother, Mary. And what sometimes happens in our culture, there's this false narrative where women are against men and men are against women. And that that's a consequence of the fall. That's a consequence of sin. When God created us, that wasn't how it was supposed to be. We're told in Scripture we're created in God's image and likeness, male and female. He created them. And so, as you said, Mary, we work together. So we are complementary. Women are different mm-hmm. than men. Women are have the wonderful gift of being able to bear life within their own bodies and then nurture it with their own body right. um, in a way that a man can't. But we need each other, just as it takes two Absolutely. to bring life into the world. It takes two to raise life and be responsible for it. And it is easier for men to um, neglect that responsibility. So as you question, Mike, yeah, this is a call for men to stand up too. Yeah, I, I was saying this to someone. One of my friends is starting a family, and, and they just found out they were pregnant recently. And he, and he said, oh, I'm, I'm really overwhelmed. And, and when I was, you know, it's overwhelming on its own to be pregnant within marriage. <laughs> Imagine how overwhelming it might be to be pregnant outside of marriage, right? And then he started to talk to me a little bit about it, and he said, uh, oh, yeah, you know, we had this great parenting class that we went to the other day, and I was just like, wait, there are classes? Like, <laughs> you know, you don't know what you don't know. I was like, he was like, yeah, there are classes. And I was like, uh, I never 
would have thought that they're a parenting class. Everybody was doing this by the seat of their pants, right? Honest to goodness, Mike, you're right. It's almost like there's an app for that. Um, yeah, that's right. Referring back to a couple of my kids who who are fathers in their own right, I've watched the world turn upside down and how they share responsibilities for parenting as well. You know, if their wives are at work or whatever it is, I've watched them grow to be even better versions of themselves because they've taken on the task of being involved and active in their children's lives. I want to say, too, that one of our responses ultimately has to be one of joy or our bishop, you know, serve the Lord with gladness. And we say this on this show a lot, that honey attracts more than vinegar. So the worst thing, Flannery O'Connor said, the worst sin of a Catholic is to be smug. Mm. And so I think we need to avoid that as Catholics and rather be joyful, merciful, meet people where they are, where they need us and love them. With kindness, great kindness. Yeah, remember during the Seven Church Walk when uh, when you were walking and you said that everybody was kind of joyful, and then there was this other group over there that just looked, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they were, you know, abortion on demand. Right. They seemed very angry and all upset about it. And it was like, Which group would you choose to walk with? Yeah, right? it would have been our our. We were younger, we were joy, joyful, happy, um, and people people were actually joining our group. Uh, yeah, so that was a good phenomenological study. Yeah, which group would you rather join here? And joy draws people. It really does. Not the yelling, not the shouting. People have enough of that. Yeah, absolutely. Mary, anything we didn't cover today? Oh, my gosh. I think you, you Too much, really right? covered. No, and, I'll, and there's so much more. There really is. This is just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, there are so many other. We were talking about having walking with moms in need. We, we talk about hope. After abortion, because let's face it, it happens. We want everyone to know, though, that this church really, contrary to what some people on the outside world may see, is merciful, is loving, because our God is merciful, loving. And you know what, Father Damien? Totally filled with joy. If you can't be filled with joy, why would someone want to follow you? Exactly. You sound like Pope Francis. And we find joy in a church each and every week. This week we want to talk about church, which I think you're familiar with, Mary, St. Anthony out in Fair and Fairport Harbor, right? Just a little bit. Yeah. My brother is um, the administrator out there, and he's a deacon, Deacon George Malik, and yep. I was just there for First Communion and headed back there this weekend, as a matter of fact. Yep. Now, Mary, one of the reasons we chose that parish for nine nights of night prayer is because I've never been there, but I hear it's on the lake, and I uh, hear it's beautiful, especially in the summertime. Is that true? Oh, my gosh. Fairport Harbor is a hidden gem. As a matter of fact, just my past visit there, um, we got to go. First of all, the church is, is lovely and has Jesus up on the wall with a net with fish. Everything about it is nautical. And all you do is head down the hill right to the lovely Fairport Harbor Marina, the Fairport Harbor Beach. The town is just coming back to life and filled with all sorts of wonderful people. Actually, this is just a little side note. It's a good thing you are having the nine nights there. There are more there were at one time because it was a fisherman's haven more bars than there were churches but there, <laughs> oh. there are an awful lot of bars and churches in fairport harbor ohio we go where the people are that's right exactly and deacon george is the head of our uh our diaconate here in the diocese as well so uh yeah i've been spending a lot of time with him over the past year in my formation he's been really helpful to me so thanks for that and well i take credit because i'm the older sister that's right <laughs> <laughs> but you always have each other's back right you know <laughs> We do. We, you know what? We talk on a daily basis. I'm one of six, really? but he and I talk an awful lot and bounce things off of each other. I'm the one with the blonde hair. I'm older, but he's the bald one. 
It's better that way, I think. That's right. I resemble that remark. Mm-hmm. Sorry about that, Mr. Mike. <laughs> and then our scripture is uh, appropriate for uh, our podcast tonight for the fifth Sunday of Easter. It's from the 13th chapter of John. Love one another as I have loved you. Amen. Mm. Now that means loving when it's hard, right? Loving when someone's in need, when it's hard, when it's hard to kind of go the extra yard. You, you know, know, you, have to you be moved swallow, take a deep breath, and just no kidding, you see the face of Christ in that other person. That's what real love is all about. Yeah, it also cool. includes loving yourself yeah. the way that the Lord has loved you. So don't forget about that one too. I mean, obviously love others, love yeah. God, but also love yourself. Well, you can't pour from an empty well or empty yeah. cup, right? And love your unborn child. On top of that, as we talked about that. Truth. Amen. All right, so this has been Question of Faith. We'll have another question next week. If you have a question, you can email that to me at mhayes at dioceseofcleveland.org. Mary Von Karlowitz, thanks so much for joining us this week. What a joy and pleasure. Thank you, guys. Come back again. Indeed, I will. We'll have all this and more next week on another Question of Faith.